0: i on, Dave. Okay, I'm on. Whew, I'm hot. Okay. Well, most of you guys know me. I'm Jeff Wilkie. I've been going here for 16 years, and no, you've never heard me speak before because it wasn't that you just missed that day. It's I've never spoken here before, and so in five minutes or so, I could probably say like Pastor just did, and you've probably heard the best five minutes that I preached. So. <laughs> You'll have the opportunity to know that that's the truth, because that would be the first five minutes that I'd preach. Uh, I counted a privilege and a joy to start this series off with Pastor on the Invisible War. And I'm not a public speaker, so I probably won't tell a lot of jokes, but you'll probably get a lot of laughter because I'm probably not a very good speaker. So my daughter says I talk too fast when I'm nervous, so if I'm talking really fast, you know I'm really nervous. But, you know, I don't know, I kind of do almost everything in my life fast, so it's not like I'm probably going to talk slow just because I'm not nervous. But I am nervous. But my dad, my mom and dad are here. Thank you, mom and dad, for coming. My dad used to say that if he went to church and didn't get his toes stepped on, he didn't feel like he went to church. And, you know, I hope that if that's a true statement today, that you're toes will be stepped on, and that you will go home feeling like you've been to church. How many of you came expecting something today? I hope you did. I hope after rain down, there was a lot of you here last Friday night at raindown, down, and that it was a good service. Huh? It's hard to follow rain down. But you know what? No, I guess I would say that just the opposite of that, it's easy to follow something like that because you guys come more excited, more expecting, more wanting something from God because maybe you just got something Friday night. And so that's what we want to try to go in in this next series in this spiritual war is that we are in a battle. And it takes sometimes rain downs. It takes sometimes really good services. It takes sometimes prayer closets in our, in our homes and whatever to really get focused on what God has to say to us. We just stay out of focus sometimes. Life just deals us crummy sometimes. We're just in life sometimes, just going through life. And we don't even have a clue that we're supposed to be looking for something else. Um, this is still in my introduction. I've got seven pages. I... I don't even have a watch. My wife told, asked me if, I, if we were going to be to the eating place early today. And I said, I don't know. And I said, though, to myself that this is what God gave me. So we're not going to quit just because it's time. We're going to quit when God says it's time. And that's what we're going to do today. So my prayer is that the Holy Spirit comes down in each one of you's lives today and stirs us up and moves us and we go out of here changed, changed not just the same, but changed. How many of you want to go out here changed? How many of you came with brokenness and garbage in our lives that we want to leave here and go, I'm going to go out and be victory. I'm going to go out in victory and claim it and believe it. We're not just doing the name it and claim it thing today. We're going to name it. We're going to claim it. We're going to do it. Amen. So uh, our text is in, we're already in page two. Our text is in Uh, Luke chapter 8 verse 40 through 48 let's all stand as we read the scripture today we're going to talk today our title of our sermon is who touched me there's a love language that there's five love languages one of them is touched and we need to know that we're touching God because he likes to be know that we've reached out and that we're touching him He's walking by. He's here today. It's not that he's just here at these altars, but he's here. He's moving across every one of our our aisles today. He touched, who touched me? Let's reach out today and touch him. Luke chapter 8, verse 40 through 48. And I, in my life group, I usually don't even read the scripture. I always have Kelly Woods read. I'm a terrible reader. I hate to read. I like to look at pictures, but I hate to read. So... There is no pictures in this scripture. So I'll have to paint you the picture, but it'd probably be stumbling across a bunch of words and you'll got go. It's gonna be up here on the screen in a minute, so if you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Verse 41, then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house Because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there that had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding was stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that the power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not be unnoticed, came trembling at the feet at his feet, and in the presence of all his people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, "Daughter, your feet, your faith in your feet, your faith has healed you. Go in peace." Our prayer today is that we all get to touch God, and it's not just that He has to. T- have a piece of cloth that we touch, but we can touch him personally today. Let us pray. Father God, Lord, we come to you humbly and knowing, God, that you are the same God that was there that day. You are the same God that heals, delivers, restores, and that you're here today. And that I pray, God, that you work among us and that you minister to each and every one of us. And as you have given this to me today. I just pray that you be able to flow through me and that their ears will be open and that you will hear the words that you have for us today. And I just pray, God, your Holy Spirit just flow right now in this service and that people's lives will be changed for the glory of God. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I brought a couple of pieces with me today. Actually, this was Mary's kind of looks like something that would have maybe been something that Jesus back then or somebody would have wore and sometimes they had robes around them or maybe just something around them or something but you know what this this verse says that this lady touched the garment and there wasn't anything special about the garment if there was everybody would have been wanting to buy that garment from Jesus or whatever it was the power that was invested inside the man wearing the garment. So sometimes we look at man for the, for the power or for, the, for a change, and it's not necessarily found in man. It's found man can have it because we all have God inside of us. But we aren't looking for man. We're not looking to touch just something that's going to be materialistic. There's power. If I said... If I actually said, you know what, I spent all my fortune and went to Israel and bought this, and this was the cloak that the lady touched that day, and that there is power in this, everybody today that's here that needed a healing would probably be running up here as fast as they could to touch this. But you know what? We have more than that today. We have a God that has that power that is endued within us that We don't need to run to this. We can run to God. He's right there in your seat with you. We can reach out and touch him. We don't want to, or we don't do it enough. So that's enough about that. The good news is we have God in our lives today. The first point is, in verse 40, we need to be expecting. Expecting. The word expecting is... A phenomenal word because it goes right along with faith. You can't really have faith unless you're expecting something. But this first point I want to make, we're going to get to faith here in a minute. Is, it's found, a, it talks about in verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him for they were all expecting him. Now, why were they expecting him? Did they see it in the Sea of Galilee newspaper? Or they might've called it the star. I don't know. They, the star. Uh, or maybe the internet, I don't know what they were looking at. But no, people were talking. Jesus had been traveling from town to town and he had been going and performing miracles. And people were going, wow, have you heard this Jesus? Wow, who's this Jesus guy? Man, have you heard about Jesus? And the word traveled by word of mouth. And that's what we need to do today. We don't talk about it enough. We're not excited enough. We don't have anything to share, I guess. We go to work and talk about football or the basketball games or whatever. It's all good. But somebody maybe needs to know about Jesus every once in a while. And, you know, we've got to be excited. The only reason that these people all knew about it and they were expecting him was because people were excited. People had been having stuff in their lives. And it doesn't have to be a healing. It could be your marriage was saved. Your Something was broken in your life, and it's fixed. But they were expecting him. People were excited. They were talking all across. They were following him. They were wanting to know what the next thing was going to be that happened. What are you expecting? What are we expecting today? Are we expecting anything? Did you get up this morning and go, I expect that God is going to do major things in this service today. I hope you did. I don't usually. I did today because I was preaching. So I, I would think that maybe all of us ought to preach every once in a while because there would be a whole bunch of us that maybe started getting excited. And I tell you what, I don't know why these front seats are open because they are the best seats in the house. I've never sit there before. And you do not have any distractions. It is a good thing. I mean, when you aren't looking at that guy picking his nose in front of you or whatever, you know, you can actually focus. So these seats ought to be full. Hannah, I I commend you. You're there every week. Uh, Do we come to church expecting something from God? Do we have enough excitement in our church, in our lives? And you know what? The church isn't this church building. The church is us. Do we have enough excitement in our lives to be talking about it? come on i don 't know awesome. i don 't know if I have enough stuff to go tomorrow morning and say, Wow, you got to know this about my life and, and my God that I serve. If we were excited, this place would have no problem of having every seat full, and that you would know that you 've invited everybody and that everybody knew, and it wasn 't because they needed to come here because that's where it was. It was because they seen how excited your life was and they want to be, have something like that. And it doesn't just happen by coming to this church. You can go to any church you want if you get excited and know that you want something more out of God. There's that old saying that says, we continue to do the same thing over and over again and we expect different results. It isn't going to happen. If you go out tomorrow, just like you did last Monday, And have the same week as you had last week, you're going to have the same results next Friday. It's true. You got to change. We got to change. There was a lot of uh, several several folks from this church went to Pensacola. I don't even know when it was, eight or ten years ago, when they were having that revival there. We didn't go out and just go. You know what? I don't know about this. We're going to kind of doubt this, and I don't know. No, we went expecting. We went expecting God to do something for us. We We didn't. We went two hours early just to make sure we got a seat. We knew that we had to. We were expecting, though. We wasn't thinking, you know what? I think that's a bunch of bull. I'm just going down there to see for myself how much a bunch of bull that was. (laughs) No. We knew it was true, and we wanted that in us. We went expecting. Expecting. How much do we expect? Do we expect miracles today at this altar? Maybe, maybe not. And if they happen, great. And if they don't, it wasn't because God wasn't here. It was because our doubt was, our faith was too small and we had doubt in our lives. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute. We're already on page four. Page four. We need to be persistent persistent. This lady came, in verse 44, came up behind him, touched the edge of the cloak, and immediately her blood, her bleeding stopped. In verse 45, the second part of 45 says, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. The people were like crazy. I mean, they were like, Jesus is here. They flocked to him. I mean, we aren't even going to talk about Jairus, but Jairus was the first one kind of like, oh, there's Jesus getting off the ship over there. Let's go. He had a daughter dying. So it says that he came up pleading, Jesus, you've got to come and touch my daughter. She's dying. It was his only hope. It was his only hope. He didn't have a doctor that could cure her. He didn't have anything. He knew that his only hope for his 12-year-old daughter was Jesus. Sometimes we rely too much on the world. Sometimes the world's stuff is good. We say, oh, man, my arm hurts. I better go to the doctor. Did we ever even pray for it? Man, we could have got a healing and had a victory. But we didn't. Or maybe we go, oh, God, pray I pray, the doctor's going to help me here. You know, we didn't really ask for a healing. We just asked for the man to help us or whatever. And he will. God gave us great doctors. Dr. Hill, I'm not down into there. Uh this lady was persistent. She had a bleeding that she had already been diagnosed of. Nobody could help her. Nobody was able to heal her, it said. And she went, wow, I've heard of this Jesus. I know this guy has healed a lot of people. If I can only just touch the hem of his garment. Maybe, not even maybe. I don't think the word maybe was probably in her thought pattern that day. The word maybe was not thinking Maybe, no. It was if I do, if I can. The people are going to be crowding around. It's going to be a mess out there. Jesus is is really working lives, and I've got to press in. This lady was persistent. She was like not going to be denied, and she was going to no matter what. And she was probably glad that this Jairus had probably stopped right in the path and got on his knees, and it says he was pleading to Jesus. And she probably thought this is my chance. Everybody's kind of like watching him and I can just like push through and she did and she did. And that's how we've got to be. We've got to be persistent. This thing isn't just going to come up on us. This Jesus doesn't push himself on us. We've got to push in. Pastors going to be talking about the invisible war. You can't see it. This is warfare we're in. It is invisible this is a spiritual warfare, and we gotta, we got to know that we got to cross the enemy lines, and we got to cross in, and we got to break through chains, and we got to break our bondages. We've got to break through and come and persistently pursue him and go after him. Beat everybody else. Beat everybody else to the altar. Get the best seat here. Yes. You don't have to be here, though. I'm not saying that. You can get a touch right there in your seat today. we got to be persistent. She wasn't going to be denied. Don't let an opportunity get by you. I, I like what Brandon said the other night. This moment right here, we'll never have it again. Seize every moment. Seize every opportunity. Don't be denied. Be persistent. Expect something in your life and go after it. Go after it with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. That old saying, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. God don't want to just keep hearing you squeaking. He's going to answer it. Start squeaking, though. He likes it. He wants to hear us. He wants to know that we're crying out, that we're desperate. I love that song. I'm desperate for you. I'm lost without you. We all are. We're lost without Jesus in our lives. How much desperality, that ain't a word, is, is there, how much should we be so desperate? Desperality! Amen! You guys are at least awake. Are we hungry? If you were starved today and you hadn't ate after 21 days, we, this would be a good one to t- preach in 21 days. You take this 21-day fast and you're starved. How persistent would you be to get the next meal if somebody next to you was kind of like looking full already and they were eating? You would be persistent. I needed a meal. We got to be hungry for the Lord. We got to want it. We got we to want it. The third point, we need to have faith. Then the woman, seeing that, this is verse 47, then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Why did she get healed? Why did she get healed? She knew her faith in what she was doing was great. And that when she touched, reached out, she knew she was gonna be healed. She knew. And that's what's the marvelous thing about this. Who touched me? God is willing for any of us to reach out and to touch him if he only knows that we have faith. Oh, sometimes it, it's so hard to have faith. It's so hard to have faith without doubting. There's some couple of scriptures here I didn't put in this slide. Matthew 13, 58. It's kind of a troubling scenario here. Jesus was in his hometown. And that's what I kind of felt like today. I'm kind of one of you up here and probably will never see me again up here. And you know What? you know, the Wilkie family or something, and you know, they have problems and this and that and whatever. And what is he talking to us about or what? And what's he think he's better or whatever, you know? Well, that's kind of where Jesus was in Matthew thirteen fifty-eight. He was in his hometown. And the people were like, we know your brothers and sisters, and we know your family. And they had hard time believing. It was the worst place that Jesus went that they believe. And it says here in verse 58 and Jesus, it's, it's not a misprint here, did not do many miracles there because what? He had lack of faith? No. They had lack of faith. It wasn't that his power was less powerful in his hometown, the people there had less faith. The people didn't believe. They were thinking too much in the back of their mind. Their subconscious was telling them that this Jesus, we seen him grow up as a kid. How can he be doing all this stuff? What's this all about? Not that they didn't believe, but they had that small doubt. Doubt is a very bad thing for a Christian to possess because doubt is the opposite of faith. And when we have doubt, we don't have very much faith. Because they one or the other, you either believe it or you don't. And when you kind of sort of do, you kind of sort of get your miracle, you know. And that's just the way it is, and that's how God works. It's it's the lack of faith that they couldn't believe. Galatians three nine says, "Those who rely on faith are blessed. They're blessed." Do you want to be blessed today? We got to believe. We got to believe, we got to go way beyond our conscious, our subconscious and everything else that the devil's telling us and everybody else that tells us that I don't think you can be healed. I don't think you can do that. I don't think God does that. Okay. That's what you believe. It's not what you have to believe. Believe it in yourself and know it and, and get it. It says in James chapter one, verse six and seven, when you ask, when you ask, that's another thing. Sometimes we don't even ask, but when we do, you must believe and not doubt, because no one doubts. No one who doubts is like a wave in the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect anything from the Lord. It doesn't say that you, he'll go ahead and bless you. It says they shouldn't even expect anything from God. They're tossed and, and blown away, just like the waves. The, good grief, can you think about all them stupid stupid... I can't say the word. Tsunamis? I think it should have a tsunami because it starts with a T. (laughs) Tsunamis? I mean, them things were just like 27 feet high or something. The waves of the sea? I don't think that's the waves that they were maybe thinking, but it is part of it. We just get blown away. We don't have enough faith. And it says, don't expect anything why are you expecting miracles in your life if you're just being tossed around like Japan? I took some golf lessons this week in Phoenix. Boy, I needed them. And uh, I uh, went out there, and the guy, it didn't have anything to really do about golf. He was just kind of a goofball, I think, but I don't know. It, It probably has something to do with golf. But this is what he said. He goes, When you're swinging a golf club and you usually always hit it to the right, that your subconscious tells you to like turn in so that you try to hit more to the left and you don't even realize it because you're thinking that you're going to hit the right. So your, your, your body starts to do something that makes you hit to the left. And I think that guy wasn't just a goofball. He's It's true because I do hit to the right and I was trying to get my thing straightened up, my ball. And so your body thinks that you've got to hit more like this so it goes to the left. It's not true at all in golf. Because when you strike the ball, it puts a spin on it. The more you turn this way, the more it might go that way. Because it's putting a spin on it and it's, when it hits the air, it spins it and goes that way. So your subconscious, though, in life, is the thing that actually is doing stuff in our subliminal that's maybe the doubt. We're telling ourselves that we have faith. And we come to church and go, man, I believed. I think. And it's our subconscious, though. So it's saying, yeah, but you remember that guy you prayed for? He's still in a wheelchair. It's that thing that's down deep inside that we can't seem to get rid of. Well, Satan puts it there. He wants us to remember them things. It's that subliminal thing that's not keeping us focused on exactly what he's telling me to do. The Lord's telling us to do something and we think that we're doing just what he wants. But our ball keeps going to the right because we're thinking of things that happened in our lives and we don't really even have control of it because it's just there. And that's what's so wrong about pornography and everything else, because if you just looked at it, you don't know that it's just stored there, and all of a sudden, it pops up or something. It's stuff that's in our brains. We don't want to put a lot of garbage in because it stays there. We don't think it's there. We feel like we're cleansed by the blood. We are, and we're ready to rock the world on fire, but we got stuff in our brains. We got stuff in our heads just like hitting that ball you want to go out like that but you would think that that makes you hit it more to the right but it doesn't it turns your spin back around and it makes it spin the other way but same way in life we feel like we're wanting to do the things in life right and we feel like it right but our things just don't change We got to get all the way cleansed, all the way pured. He wants purity. That's why it's an invisible war. We can't see this stuff. If it was that I have a broken shoe, I can fix it. If I have a little broken piece of my brain, I don't know how. We got to get pure. We got to get all, everything. That's where faith comes in. That's where complete faith in God, because we aren't wavering, we know without a shadow of a doubt that he's going to be healed. We know without a shadow of a doubt that their marriage will be healed and, and set free. Be set free. Man, great way to work right into the next point. Be set free. The woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Boy, I'm glad I wasn't going to do that. I I thought about not having this printed and just go off that screen. There's no way I could see that. (laughs) The woman was subject to bleeding for 12 years. She was hemorrhaging but no one could heal her. What's your bondage today? It probably isn't bleeding. It probably is something to do with your life this week. There is so many of us, and if I look at you, don't feel guilty because I can't really even see you, (laughs) that have broken marriages, that have things, they have garbage, drama. (laughs) I did look at you. (laughs) I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Drama's not a sin. Can be. Unforgiveness, lying, cheating, lust, anger. You name yours, you probably got it. I might not hit it today. Jealousy, stealing, bitterness, anger, sex out of marriage, stuff. We have stuff. It's not in this. It wasn't in coming up here and being one of the first 10 to get here. Because if it was, it'd be too easy. It is the power invested in the one who wore this. It is the power invested in in the one that is here walking the aisles, thinking in your brain that conscious, the thing that you're thinking right now, it's the thing that you are possessed by. There's things in every one of our lives. Maybe not everyone, but... 99.9 9. we just don't know it if, if you know I went I, I was in Phoenix and you've got to go through them x-ray machine room things now in the airport they say they can see you basically like you're naked whatever. well I think they ought to make one that shows your sins and we'll all walk through it up at the altar there you go, there you go. wow I don't know that we'd get a very good altar call yeah. It's like yeah I gotta go I gotta go yeah we got stuff. I mean, how many things go in our lives? I mean, we got stuff. I mean, hey, I man, I can see y'all here. We got stuff. We have stuff. And don't ask me what my stuff is, I ain't telling you. <laughs> we got stuff. We got to be set free. Sin, unfortunately, is fun for a season. But man, that season is short. And then it's very painful. And, you know, the devil wouldn't have made it boring. Wouldn't want to do it. James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. This is pretty powerful. It says, Each person is tempted. Actually, let me read verse 13. I didn't write it down. Hold on a second. 13 really does help us to know. James chapter 1 verse 13, it says, when tempted, no one should say God has tempted me for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. And this is where the rubber meets the road here. I said I wasn't going to look at my clock, but I did. Each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. And after desire, we're going to call desire today just the thought, just the thought of sin. Because that's where it starts. We don't all just go out and just sin and just sin and just sin. We think about it. We, we have a choice. We have an option. We think about it. That's what he's saying here is the desire. We're drawn away by our own evil desires Not even drawn, we're dragged. And it says, after desire has conceived, that means after the thought's been planted in your head and you've thought about it and you're like, hmm, how am I going to do this? Pastor Newby might know. Hmm, Maybe my wife might know. Mm, After the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Wow, now we've got a new creature in the world. We've let it establish in our brain and we've went ahead and let it develop into a full sin. And then it says when sin is full grown, now we've got an adult sin sin thing. It gives birth to death. And uh, hmm, I don't think that's what I want in my life, death. It's just the opposite of what God really wants. He's all about us taking that dragged away desire, because we're all going to be dragged away in some kind of desire. But it's what we do with it right off the bat. It is the part that we have to nip it right there. We've got to stop the desire before it becomes a sin, because it says it will be. If we let it go, it'll become sin. Then when we let that sin go, it becomes a full-grown sin, and a full-grown sin is like gives birth to a new creature, death, death, Wow, that sounds like a great thing to just think that we're thinking of things and then it becomes a sin and then it becomes foregrown and then becomes death. And that's what we all wanted to hear today. We all want to talk about death. Yeah. No, we all want to talk about life and having it more abundantly. And that's why there's a great scripture that goes right along with, if you take that and says it gives birth to death, That you go to Romans 6.23 and it says, for the wages of sin is death. But there's this nice big conjunction called but. And it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow, we have a gift. I have a gift right here. I couldn't find a bigger bow. So, I wanted a small box I could carry around. But I wanted you to know from way back there in the back, because I knew you wouldn't sit up close, that... You would be able to tell this was a gift. We have a gift from God. A gift from God. How much specialer of a gift could you get? I have a gift from God that's called my wife that is a true gift. But this gift of God, we're not going to call this salvation, but this is a replication, <laughs> representation of God's gift to us. And if we just say, here, it's for everybody. We all know that we have the gift. But he wants us to open it and use it and see what's inside it and not just guess and go, it's eternal life. He wants us to live it. He wants us to open it up like it's Christmas and go, Yes, it's eternal life. Eternal life. I get it. And I want it. And then we don't just take this gift and just hide it and not tell anybody about it and not live it. Kind of like we don't really have a gift. Like, I'm like everybody else. We want to go, I got a gift and it's for you too. And it's for you, and it's for you. And it don't matter how bad you are. He wants to give it to you. Because right now, you're birthing to death. And he wants to give you life. And he wants to give it to you. And it's for everybody. And it's for you, and for you, and for you. And if it's your marriage, or if it's your finances, or if it's your life in general, and things have just got you down, it's for you. It's not just salvation. It's a gift of healing. It's a gift of everlastingness. It's for everybody at any time, whenever they want to call upon it, and it's theirs. And it's no restrictions. It doesn't have a bungee cord and go, sorry, he didn't do that. It's for you. It's for me. And today, I challenge this that if you were thinking of something in your life when I was talking about bondage and being set free, then you probably have some bondage and you got something that you need to be set free. I don't care if it's just a bad thought. It's like, I don't like that girl's hairdo or whatever. <laughs> Stuff. Get over it, pastor says. In conclusion, I'm gonna touch about the, last, the four points. Who touched me? You know what? I want God As he walks up and down these aisles, he's here. He's ministering to people. He's talking to you right now. All we have to do is reach out and touch him. Touch him. He'll walk by. If you don't touch him, he's not gonna make you. He ain't gonna make you. He wants you to reach out and touch him. We need to get more in our prayer closets. I kind of liken my prayer closet at home to my coat closet. I really don't want it to be my walk-in closet in my bedroom where I could maybe have a nice little prayer party. I wanted to be locked in with God by myself, touching him. And I'm going to combine all these points into a sentence. And it says, we need to be expecting persistent faith with action that'll set us free by reaching out and touching the one true God who is ready, who is ready to feel his power leave and say, who touched me? Who touched me? Would that be awesome if you knew that God was on his throne and that he was up there and he leaned over to Jesus to say, who just touched me? It's like, ah, that's that Jeff Wilkie again. Man, that would be awesome. And that's where we need to be. We need God to go, who's touching me? I love it. I love it when my power's been taken out of me. Are we touching him today? Do we want to touch him today? who touched me? It's not the garment. It's the power invested in the one that is walking among us today. Let us pray. Dear Father,